Today's reading is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. Chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, live, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Sushi. Um, if you can have your Bibles open to First Peter as we go through, that would be great. And uh, just once again, if you don't, if you didn't know this before, Evelyn prayed for Armelin and Charles um, because if you didn't know, they were dating, and this past week they got engaged. So congratulations, Armelin. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, please continue uh, continue to pray for them. Uh, but let's uh, pray for us now as we come to this text. Lord, we thank you that you are God who is alive and active and who who speaks. And Lord, we thank you for these spoken, uh, these words that have been recorded for us. And we pray that through them, these written words will be made your spoken words as we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, start, I mean, verse 13 starts out with this, uh, this um, exhortation, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. That phrase, with the minds that are alert, it's literally gird the, the loins of your mind. This, of course, was necessary 2,000 years ago when people had tunics, and if they were about to run or their soldiers about to go to war, they needed to tuck in their tunics into their belt so that they could run. It's get ready, get your mind ready, be alert, he says. But then what does Peter want you to see? What does Peter want you to get ready for? Well, that's the next part. He says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. He wants you to get ready, get, get ready in your mind to set your hope on the grace that will be revealed to us when Jesus comes back. Grace to be revealed in his coming. That was the previous sermon. That was the previous text in verses 1 and 12. Uh, the greatness of salvation, the hope of the resurrection, the inheritance that will come when Jesus comes back. And it's anticipate, anticipation by the Old Testament prophets and even the angels. They looked forward to that salvation. And if we hold on to the faith that God has given to us, he says uh, that it will result in honor, praise, and glory. 
So with a sober mind, with the ready mind, set your hope on that grace that will be revealed, on such a great salvation. But our minds are often clouded, aren't they? I love Hong Kong for many different reasons, but one of the, as you know, one of the things that I love about Hong Kong is all the hiking trails. Um, but one thing that sometimes ruins it is the air, qual- air quality. I remember going up to Grassy Hill, um, which is just above Photon, um, between Photon and Taipo, and it looked like an impressive view, uh, except that it was a smoggy day. I could tell that, once again, there was Taipo with all its buildings, but I couldn't see the buildings clearly. Right? I could make out Chingmun River on the other side, but the color was t- you know, tinted as if you're looking at it through a foggy glass. The, uh, the things, these, the, the smog obscured the stunning view of uh, being up there. And often, some things do uh, to obscure the stun- stunning hope that we have in the grace of Christ. And so what are these things that cloud our mind from setting, seeing the, 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 the glories that will come in the future? What makes us drunk so that we might forget the greatness of our salvation? Part of the problem, I think, in Hong Kong is wealth and comfort, as we talked about last week a little bit. You know, there has been war going on in Syria for a while, and people in Aleppo do not... Look, do not set their hope on the things of this, this earth because it's hard. Because they are being persecuted. They're being driven out. They're not lured by the things around them. So they look elsewhere for their hope. In fact, I think uh, 2000, I mean, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, 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 the African-Americans, uh, African-American s- slaves, uh, they, uh, this was true for them as well that there is a rich uh, tradition of otherworldliness in, the, 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 in their spirituals composed during the time of slavery. You might have heard of one of the most famous one of these spirituals, Swing Low, a swing chariot, right? Swing Low, sweet, uh, sweet chariot, coming, uh, coming forward to carry me home. Swing Low, sweet chariot, uh, coming forward to carry me home. If you get there before I do, coming forward, uh, coming forward to carry me home, tell all my friends that I'm coming to, coming forward to carry me home. You know, because their lives were so tough, because they were, they, they lived in a world filled with injustice, they didn't hope for the things of this earth. Their, deliver, uh, their, their hope, they set their hope on the coming home, to be delivered somewhere else, to the new creation. When God would come back there, they set their hope on the new creation, the world that is to come. But I think Christians in Hong Kong, we might just be a little too comfortable in Hong Kong. And we might be filled with too much comfort and, and good things here on, here on earth that we do not look forward to what is coming. Why long for the new creation when I haven't seen Bali yet? When I haven't gone to Kyoto yet? Why um, when I haven't done exploring this world yet? Why hope for the grace of the future when there's so much of the present that I haven't experienced yet? Set your hope on the grace, fully on grace, uh, fully on that grace that will be brought to you. Well, that happens um, if we... uh, Sorry. Um, uh, Sorry, let me just pray one more time. I... Uh, uh, let me just pray quickly.
Lord, we uh, once again thank you so much for the uh, for these words um, that have that you've given us, and and I hope uh, I pray that you will set my mind on these great truths that you've given us, uh, that I may preach it faithfully, and that our eyes will be open to the great reality of what you have revealed uh, to us. And we pray that I might do this by the power of your Spirit, uh, that we might hear your word by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Sorry. Um, so oftentimes we get lost and, and we get distracted by the comfort and the goodness of this world and not of the world to come. You might be thinking, actually, this is not you. Um, you're not the one who's enjoying the goodness of Hong Kong and all the good things of Hong Kong. You're actually struggling. You're thinking, actually, my life is tough. and I'm, My life is being uh, driven by fear clouded by fear, and that might also happen too. We might fear that we and our children might not get to experience all these good things around us because the housing price is coming up and, and we're, the, the city is so competitive. So we work hard and we make our children work hard. That, um, that sorry. We, we make our children work hard so that they could make it in this world. And so the fear that we might not make it, that we might not get these things on this earth, might distract us from setting our hope on the things that are coming in the future. And that is why Peter spent the first part of this letter reminding us of the greatness of salvation, that the best is yet to come, that our eternal inheritance is guaranteed and guarded in heaven by God that there is life beyond this one, that even if we never own a house in Hong Kong, even if we don't get the best of this world, that's okay. Because the best will come. Because God will bring that inheritance to us when Jesus comes back. Because that is where where, where we will live for eternity. So he exhorted us to live by faith, to keep going for praise and glory and honor will come. So he says now, therefore, gird the loins of your mind and being fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. But what does it mean? What does that mean to actually live like that, to, to set our hope on the grace that will be revealed to us when Jesus comes? Well, It means living as a citizen of that world now, of the world that will come uh, in this fallen city. It means being holy now, even if it's costly. So Peter goes on to say in verse 14, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. He says, setting that hope on the future means living now in holiness. But what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be holy? Does it mean somehow being spiritual, that somehow people meet you and then they go, oh, there's some sort of, some sort of aura of holiness, some sort of spiritual thing that's coming out of you? Well, I think there is, that's a result of something else, isn't it? That's only partly right. The first part of being holy is being separated. It is in this sense a cup 
in the Old Testament could be holy because if it's set apart for temple use, that cup is holy. It's separated from mundane to be devoted to something else. A day can be holy, like Sabbath day can be holy because it's separated from all other days. It's set apart to rest. It's set apart to worship God. That is why Sabbath day is holy. It is in this sense that the Israelites were holy too. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, when God delivered them and gives them the law, he says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. They're not holy because they were morally superior to others, because they obeyed God more than others, but because God chose them and God set them apart. God had distinguished the whole group of people as his. That's why they were holy. In fact, we too are holy in the same way. We are already holy because we have been set apart. The word church in Greek, it is uh, 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 called out of Right? We are a people who are called out from the world, separated and distinguished from the world to be his people. That's why we are holy. Remember in verse 2, if you take a look there, he, he said that God chose us and God sanctified us through the Holy Spirit. God sprinkled us with his blood. We are holy because of what God has done for us. God has separated us from the rest of the world. But then we still need to ask, but separated for what? Why did God choose us and separate us from the world? Well, it's there in verse 2 as well as in verse 14, for obedience to Jesus Christ. We're separated for obedience to Jesus Christ. In verse 14, he says, as children of obedience. That's the literal translation, as, as obedient children, as children of obedience, We're not to conform to the evil desires that we had when we lived in ignorance. Our obedience to Jesus Christ is the positive substance of holiness. This is what it means to be like God, to be like Christ, to obey him. And all of that is rooted in the Old Testament as well. Remember how God rescued Israelites out of Egypt. And then God gave them the law that governed every part of their life. It governed, they, there were laws governing worship of God. There were laws that governed uh, uh, morality. But then he went on to practical things as well, everyday life things like commerce, economy, injustice, slaves and masters, farming animals, <laughs> raising crops, what we should eat and shouldn't eat. You know, what it meant was that God separated them and said that every part of your life, what, what, what you eat, what you shouldn't eat, um, how you treat the, your masters and slaves, all of that, every part of your life should be devoted to God. You are holy and set apart to live distinctly in every part of life. And that's what it means to be holy for us as well. So we are holy, he says, be holy in all that we do in verse 15. For we are set apart as God's people, as Christ's people. We're marked by obedience to Christ in every part of our lives. Of course, this is what makes us foreigners. This is what makes us strangers in this world. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, he says in verse 17. We live by different laws at home, at workplace, even in politics. And Peter will talk about these things uh, in the rest of the chapters, in the coming chapters. But think about what kind of people that we are to be if we really obeyed Christ. 
We are a people who aren't just worried about murder. We're a people who's worried about anger because we know that it, it is murder in that way, you know, Jesus says. We're a people not only keep, who keep away from adultery, but actually adulterous thoughts. We do not divorce. We live by yes and no. The world repays evil with evil, and we turn the other cheek and pray for our enemies. We believe in storing up treasures in heaven and do not worry about what we will eat or drink today. While people hoard, we are marked by generosity. We are a people who seek to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The early Christians actually were strangers in that world as well. They um, cared for uh, the, the children who, who were left behind. They uh, invited everyone to their fellowship. They were set apart and people thought they were strange. And we should be strange in this world as well. We should be marked by our obedience to Jesus Christ. If we live like this, wouldn't people actually think that we, were, we, we are strange? And that is the mark of our holiness. It's not whether we give off a strange or spiritual air or not. The mark of holiness, the substance of our holiness, is our obedience to Jesus Christ in every day, every part of our lives. The mark of our holiness is how strange we are from the rest of the world. So, are you holy? Are you holy? Do you behave and sound exactly like your colleagues at work? Or do they recognize that you are a stranger? That you are a strange person? Do, rec- do they recognize your strangeness? Be holy in all you do. And if you might ask, why should we live that sort of life that is distinct and marked um, different, when actually all of that is difficult? I mean, imagine doing that. At work, imagine being marked out as a person who is different from the rest of the, uh, how, how, how other people are doing it, right? Imagine among your friends, you are known as a person who is different from everybody else. Well, that's difficult. That subtle pressure is difficult to handle as we live our lives. Why should we do this? What's the engine? What's the motivation for this? Well, first, uh, Peter says in verse 17, is that we should do this because we know God to be our judge who will come. Because we call on the Father who judges, we ought to live our lives as foreigners in reverent fear. It is very hard, I think, for many of us to relate to passages that talk about fear, fear of God, because we think that best of our fathers are loving and gentle, and the good news is God is that as well. God is loving and gentle. But God is more than that, too. God, our Father, will be revealed as judge. And we must fear him and his judgment. And that sort of fear is good. Because think about all the things that you fear in this world. Think about all the things that you fear. We fear not being comfortable. We fear being made fun of. We fear for the future, housing prices. We fear not being accepted by our peers for our children not being, being able to afford to live in this place. But how, how, do you fear God? Do you fear his judgment? Do you fear that God will come and judge everyone impartially? Would we act differently if we feared him more? I think the answer is, of course we would. 
And of course, this judgment will not be about whether we will be accepted into his kingdom or not. Uh, that we shouldn't have any fear about. In that regard, God's verdict on us has been pronounced already. We are justified. We have gone from death to life by faith in Christ. Yet, true faith is one that moves us into action, isn't it? Our actions must show our faith. If we say that we have faith but do not live in such a way that show that faith at all, then when Jesus comes back, we will be turned away. God will say, I I never knew you. On the other hand, those who lived a life of faithfulness to Christ will be rewarded for your faithfulness. So do we fear God and the judgment that is to come? But that's not the only reason why we should strive to be obedient to Christ, to strive to be holy. Look how quickly he moves on from verse 17 to 18 to talk about how that salvation has been won for us, how that has been secured for us. Even though he doesn't use the word love, I think he's talking about love in verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as a silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We should be holy, he says, because also for the price, that a high price that has been paid for our salvation. You know, the, the fact that he mentioned silver and gold again implies that actually silver and gold could not have redeemed us. No matter how much wealth that you had, you could have, and how much wealth you could offer to God, these things could not redeem us. The price that God had to pay was with the life of his son. That was how we were redeemed. That was how we were separated from the world. That was the price that God paid for us. Therefore, Live a holy life because of the high price that God has paid for you. You might have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan. Um, Captain Miller and his team goes into, uh, through just uh, through uh, the, the, the fires and, and to reach and rescue one soldier, Private Ryan. But in the process of this, uh, this rescue, everybody dies. Right? And Captain Miller, in fact, dies at, uh, towards the very end of the movie. And in the arms of Ryan, uh, Captain Miller looks his eyes and says, Earn this. Earn it, he says. And the message is clear. I paid. I, am, I have paid. We have paid uh, with our life for your rescue. And he says, Earn this by the way that you live. Earn it. And at the last scene, Ryan, is, uh, many years later, comes to the cemetery uh, where Miller's, uh, Miller is uh, 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 buried. And looking at the headstone, he cries. And he says, every day I, I think about what you said to me on that day on the bridge. I try to live my life the best I could. I hope that was, uh, that was enough. I hope that, at, at least in your eyes, I've earned all, what all of you have done for me. He looks back and he goes, did I earn this? Right? The way that I lived, was it good enough for your lives, for, for, for your life? And on the one level, the gospel is different 
Um, we can't earn our salvation, can we? We can't do anything to repay what Christ has done for us, no matter how well you live your life. Actually, it will not repay, and God does not ask us to repay. God gives us that life freely. But we must not forget the high price that is paid, and what God does is God still asks us to live a life worthy of the sacrifice that he has paid. Are we living that life worthy of Christ's death? He has rescued us through his death from the empty and foolish way of life. So we must fear God. He is an awesome God he will judge, who will come to judge. But we must also think of what he has done for us and be driven by that love. That's why we live a distinct and holy life. And it is truly foolishness to set the hope on anything else other than what God has done in Jesus Christ. Because look at the, 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 the scale of our salvation as we end in verse 21, uh, 20 to 21. In Hong Kong, I think we live a busy life. Uh, we plan our life by days and by weeks, and sometimes, if you're really busy, by hours. And we get lost on these daily things that, um, that, that confront us. But he takes a step back in verse 20 and 21. He says, take a look at the big picture. Peter reminds us that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, that he was revealed to us in the fullness of time, that he lived and died for us, and then he was crucified and put into the tomb, but he didn't stay there, that God raised him up and glorified him. And so he says in verse 21, put your faith and hope in God. In God. What this means is that before the creation of the whole world, our salvation was planned. How we are going to be saved had been planned. What this means is before the creation of the world and before our creation, we have been loved by God. God made this plan of rescue. Before the creation of the world, God planned a new creation in which we will live. Why put your hope on anything else other than that? Look at the scale of our salvation and what God has planned, had planned from the beginning of time. There is a world that is coming. Set your hope on that grace to be brought to you. And don't be distracted by the glitters of this world. Do not conform to the evil desires that, that, you, that you've had before you co- you've come to know Christ. Live as foreigners here in this world. Live a holy life. And while you do, remember that God is coming. He is our judge. But remember also what that judge has done for you to save us, to secure that place when he comes. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for what you have done for us. And help us to set our hope, clear our minds, so that we might hope in the grace that will be revealed to us. And help us to live a holy life here on earth as strangers in this world. 
and help us to be driven by awesome fear of you, but also the great love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.